Good evening and welcome to Christmas at New City Online. We're thrilled you've joined us this evening for our service. We're really excited for some special worship and a message from our senior pastor, Chris Payne. At all of our Christmas Eve services, including online, we'll be taking a special offering where 100% of everything given will be going to three of our amazing local serve partners. We're really excited to be able to bless Urban Promise Charlotte, Congregations for Kids, and Urban Ministry Center with this offering this evening. If you're online and you felt led to give to that, we'd love for you to participate. Just click the link below and in the drop-down menu, select Christmas Serve Offering. Again, thank you so much for joining us and Merry Christmas. The first Noel the angel did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep no well no
came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, like, I can't say good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. They tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms, literally no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, and then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is getting born, who is king of the Jews. The angel were singing. Glorious. And then the shepherds said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, to have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. Well, Merry Christmas. We are so grateful to have each and every one of you with us on this special night. And just want to begin by telling you how much we love you and how honored we are to be together to celebrate Christmas in this special service together tonight here at New City Church. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. And we would love to see you back in the new year with us here at New City. Several years ago, there was a, a little boy that would go to bed every single night. He was tucked in by his parents. And 
when, he was, when he was smaller, he would be afraid to be in the room by himself. Many of you can relate to that in your own experience growing up, being afraid of the dark or thinking about your parents uh, tucking you into bed and not wanting the door to close or wanting all the night lights on. You didn't want to be by yourself in the dark. And so this little boy growing up didn't want to go to bed at night. He was afraid of the dark. And so every single night, this story would repeat itself out as it has for many of you or with your kids or grandkids of them saying to him, you don't need to be afraid. Everything's fine. And ultimately, God's here with you. So you don't need to be afraid of anything. And the little boy would think, and sometimes he would even say, I I know, I know, I know that's true. But deep down, he would still be afraid. This story repeated itself night after night after night, like it does for many of you. Or growing up, it did for many of you, being afraid to be tucked in. And finally, one night for this little boy, his parents were, were tucking him in in the dark and getting ready to close the door. And they said, you don't need to be afraid. God is with you. And finally, he worked up the courage to say, I know he is, but I want someone with a face. I want somebody that I can see, that I can take hold of, that I can know. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians. He said, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Christmas is God's way of explaining his love, his grace, his mercy to us through the person and the work of Jesus, the face of Jesus, the face of God to us. It's true that there are many other world religions, many different philosophies about who God is and how to follow him, how to know him. And some of you here tonight may not uh, claim to be a Jesus follower. Some of you may even be an agnostic. You you don't really uh, know that God can be known or can be followed. Some of you may be even uh, an atheist. You don't even believe that God exists. Maybe for you, uh, Christmas is just a tradition and and you find yourself here at a Christmas Eve service tonight. But, but, But let me just say, as you listen to the message and as you think about the claims of Christ, the claims of uh, Christianity and even Christmas Eve, what we're here to, to celebrate together tonight. Consider this, that Christmas distinguishes Christianity, those of us who follow Jesus, the following of Jesus and the way of Jesus, from every other world religion and philosophy. And it does so in this way. In some form or fashion, every other world religion Every other philosophy about God in some form or fashion is all about you being on a search to find God, a quest to understand him, and moreover, to do things to prove your love, your worth to him, to to prove yourself, to show yourself to be worthy of God's attention and worthy of his affection and acceptance. But Christianity stands alone in this, and specifically Christmas marks us differently in this way that God came to us, that God found us, that God did the work to bridge the gap, the divide between us and himself, that when we were going the other direction, that God came after us. The, The famous atheist author Julian Barnes said this, this is fascinating, she said, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. I don't believe in God, but I miss him. Maybe for some of you tonight, you would say, you know, I don't really believe in God, but that resonates with me. I miss him. There's something in my heart. There's something deep down in my soul that wants to, to know him, to experience him, to be, to be found by him, to be, 
to be known and to see his face. The wonderful message of Christmas is this. For unto us a child is born, so we're not left unto ourselves. God came to us. He stepped towards us. He showed his love to us through Jesus himself, God with us. Christmas is the gift that that God couldn't wait to give to each and every one of you. He couldn't wait to tell his own people that this was going to happen. Maybe you have a gift that you can't wait to give someone tomorrow. Uh, Maybe uh, your family celebrates on Christmas Eve and you can't wait for this service to be over and for this guy to stop talking so you can get home and share this gift or open the gift that you have to receive. Christmas is the gift that God couldn't wait to give to you. He wanted to explain himself. He wanted to show his love and his face to you. I have two sisters. I have a twin sister and an older sister. And my older sister was notorious for telling us what we were going to get for Christmas. She would listen to my mom and dad or she would pick up on hints or she would sometimes find old receipts and she would come and tell me and my twin sister who were younger, this is what you're going to get for Christmas. She, she couldn't wait to tell us and to be the one to deliver that good news. Christmas is the gift that God couldn't wait to tell you. And in fact, this may amaze you, some 750 years before Jesus was even born, that very first Christmas, God was telling his people what was going to happen. This gift that he was going to give to them through the person of Jesus. This face that they were going to see, God himself, to to be known and, and to be loved in that way. There was a a man named Isaiah who was a spokesperson, if you will, for God. It's called a prophet in the Old Testament. They would speak for God to God's people. And, And he wrote these words, again, some 750 years before that very first Christmas. Isaiah wrote, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah was beginning to explain on behalf of God what this Christmas gift was going to mean to all of us and who God desperately wanted to be for each and every one of us. I wonder which of those titles, which of those names resonates with you most tonight who you need God to be in your life. He's all of those things. But I wonder tonight who you most need God to be. Which of those titles sticks out to you? For me, it's Everlasting Father. Whenever I've heard that passage or I've read that passage about who Jesus wants to be, this gift of Christmas to us, God with us, I've always grabbed onto that. The desire to have a, a father that, that never, that relationship never ends, that will never be severed by death or, or a broken relationship or, or something that may happen. It can never be taken away. And yet it's difficult to even understand Jesus, this child, the son that's going to be born, being a father. I mean, how does that work? Jesus, a child born to us, how can he be the everlasting father? How does that work? We weren't the only ones that struggled to understand this incredible concept of Jesus as everlasting father. The disciples themselves wrestled with understanding Jesus as a father, God revealing himself to us, this gift. 
In John 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And at this point, they've been walking with Jesus for some three years, listening to his teachings, watching him demonstrate the love of God towards people. And Jesus says to them here in John 14, beginning in verse 6, famously, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Have you heard this passage before? I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. No one comes to the Father except through me. He continues by saying this, if you really know me, you're going to know the Father. From now on, you do know the Father because you know me. And one of the disciples named Philip says this, listen to this. He says, Jesus, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Just, just show us the Father and that'll be enough. There's nothing else we need to see. There's nothing else we need to experience in life. If you show us the Father, that will fulfill every desire that we have. Just, just show us the Father. And Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you so long, anyone who has, listen to this, anyone who has seen me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You've seen the Father through my face. You know the Father because you know me. That's what Jesus is saying. You've been with me all this time, Philip, but you still don't understand to see me, to see my face is to see the face of the Father. Jesus reveals the Father to us in a perfect way. And each of us in our own way longs to be known, to to be seen, to be accepted by God the Father. We're, we're born with a desire in our heart. We even miss him, even if we've never known him. I, I have three kids. They're, they're busy growing up too fast. But there's, there's certain words that you don't have to teach kids, right? The first one is no. Every kid learns that word, right? But there are other words that kids just, just discover. They begin to say early on in their lives. And with all three of mine, and they still say this now at 10 and 13 and 14, those two words are watch me or watch this. I didn't teach them that. They, they learned how to say those words on their own. And early on, they began to say that. Watch me, daddy. Are you watching, daddy? I'm getting ready to do something. Daddy, are you watching? Are you watching? Are you watching? Anybody relate to this? And, and, and even as, as we get older, it's interesting. We may not say those words, but here's the really interesting thing. We still long to be watched and to be seen. Kids don't have as much of a filter as we do as adults. When we get older and more sophisticated, we cover all that stuff and we act like we don't need to be seen or known or loved, but we're still saying, watch this. Are you watching? Do you see me? Do you know me? Do you care? Jesus, our everlasting Father, this incredible name that Isaiah gives to him, knows us, loves us, sees us. Jesus alone reveals God the Father to us. The Father and Jesus are one, the Bible says. And so Jesus reveals the character of who God is perfectly to us. To put it plainly tonight, Jesus gives a face the face of God to us, to be with us, to love us, to care for us, to come after us. Maybe you've lost your father. Maybe this is the first Christmas that you've been without your father. 
Maybe a relationship with your earthly father has been severed. Maybe years have gone by, and even though you have a physical father, it doesn't seem that way because you're not close. You don't have a relationship, a loving relationship with your father. Maybe you have a loving father who in so many ways has has lived out for you and, and shown you the love of your heavenly father. No matter where you may be tonight, you can know this, that you have a father that loves you, that knows you, and will never leave you. One of the amazing descriptions of Jesus' everlasting father is that first word, everlasting. Not only is he your father and reveals perfectly to you the character of a father, but it's everlasting. The relationship never ends because God is eternal and he invites you into his eternal, everlasting family. The relationship can never be taken away. Not even death can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that can take the relationship away. And I pray that that's a comfort to so many of you here tonight, that you have a father that sees you, that knows you, loves you, and wants to be with you forever and ever. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, Jesus is everlastingly a father to those who trust in him. He never does at any one moment cease to be a father to us. And so for those of you tonight in your heart of hearts, you may never say it, but in your heart of hearts, you are saying, do you see me? Are you watching me? Do you know me? Do you care about me? God, do you love me? Through the person of Jesus, God is on his tiptoes saying out to every single one of you, especially on tonight, yes. I see you, I love you, I know you. I wanna be your father forever. Jesus came to bring you close to him. He came close to us so that we could be close to him. In closing tonight, I wanna share a story, a story that some of you may have heard that was written by Russell Moore about his two boys that they adopted from Russia. It's entitled Adopted for Life, and I think it's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is to us as everlasting father. Russell wrote, the creepiest sound I've ever heard was the sound of nothing at all. My wife Maria and I stood in the hallway of an orphanage somewhere in the former Soviet Union on the first of two trips that were required for our petition to adopt two boys. The orphanage staff led us down a hallway to greet two one-year-olds that we hoped would become our forever sons. The horror of the orphanage wasn't the squalor or the stench, although at times we stifled the urge to vomit and to weep together at what we saw. The horror of all of it was the quiet of it all. The place was more silent than a funeral home by night. I stopped and I pulled on Maria's elbow, my wife, and I said, why is it so quiet? This place is filled with babies. Both of us compared the stillness with the buzz that punctuated uh, the, the, the walls of our church nursery back home. 
Here, if we listen carefully enough, we could hear babies rocking themselves back and forth, the crib slats gently bumping against the walls of the orphanage. These children did not cry because infants eventually learn to stop crying if no one ever responds to their call. Their cries for food, for comfort, for love to be known. No one ever responded to these children, so they simply stopped crying. The silence continued as we entered the boys' rooms. Little Sergi, now Timothy, smiled at us, dancing up and down while holding the sides of the, the crib. Little Maxim, now Benjamin, stood at attention, regal and czar-like, but neither boy made a sound. We read them books filled with words they couldn't understand about saying goodnight to the moon and cows jumping over the same. But there were no cries, no squeals, no groans. Every day we left at the appointed time in the same way we had entered, in silence. On the last day of the trip, Maria and I arrived at the moment we had dreaded since the minute we received our adoption referral. We had to tell the boys goodbye, as by law we had to return to the United States and wait for the legal paperwork to be comp completed in order to return for them and pick them up for good. After hugging and kissing them, we walked out quietly into the hallway, and that's when we heard it. A scream. Little Maxim fell back in his crib and let out a guttural yell. It seemed he knew maybe for the first time that he would be heard. On some primal level, he knew he had a father and a mother who loved him. I'll never forget how the hairs on my arms stood up as I heard that yell. His scream changed everything, even more, I think, than the judge's verdict and the notarized paperwork changed things. It was at that moment, the moment of that scream, that he recognized that he would be heard, that he went from being an orphan to being an adopted son. Long lay the world in, in sin and in error, pining, Till he, Jesus, appeared and the soul felt its worth. The Bible says that to all who received Jesus, who, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, adopted sons and daughters forever. Jesus came at Christmas to invite you to be a part of his forever family. Not because of your works, not because of anything that you had done, you're searching, you're longing for him, you're missing him, not because of any of that, simply because of his love for you. And he completed everything that needed to be done to restore a right relationship between you and him. And now the Bible says all that we need to do is to believe and to trust in him. The Christmas message is this to you tonight, friends. For unto us, all of us, all mankind, for unto us a child is born, so we are not left unto ourselves. To him alone be the glory tonight. Let's pray together. For those of you tonight who would say, it is the cry of my heart 
to be loved, to be known, to be cared for in the way that was described tonight by Isaiah to us. A God who came to us, who wants to be Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor. That's our desire tonight. That's my desire to know you, God, in that way through Jesus. If that's your prayer tonight, I want to be a part of God's forever family. I want to trust in Christ. I want to believe in him. I'm not a Christian tonight, but I want to be. I'm not sure that I'm a Christian, but I want to know before I leave here tonight. You can be. If that's your desire, if that's your heart, would you pray this prayer in your heart with me tonight? Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. I believe that he rose from the dead and he invites me to be a part of his forever family tonight. Because of what Jesus has done, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to give me eternal life. Tonight I invite you, Jesus, into my heart and into my life. I want to trust you as my Savior and I want to follow you as my Lord. Now help me to live my life as I leave here tonight. Help me to live my life in a way that honors you and brings glory now to you. Everlasting Father, Jesus, thank you for coming to us and not leaving us unto ourselves. The hopes and the fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. We give you glory for this. In your name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight for our Christmas Eve service online. It really was our honor to have you with us. And if there's anything that we can pray for you about or follow up with you on, we'd love to do so. The website is the easiest way to get in touch with us. As was mentioned before, we're collecting a Christmas serve offering to benefit partners all throughout our city. And if you're able, if God's leading you, we'd love for you to contribute to that. And you can do so via the website as well. In 2020, we're starting a brand new series in January entitled Sandpaper People. It's all about what God says for how we deal with people that rub us the wrong way. And we all have people like that. We'd love for you to join us for the series across any of our campuses in the Charlotte area or join us online. Again, thanks for joining us tonight and Merry Christmas to you. We'll see you in the new year.